Well, I've got a word tonight. Well, we've actually been in this amazing series this month, Revival Stories, and who's been impacted by, by those, that series? Awesome. It's been an amazing series, and I love anything that's got the word revival attached to it. Yeah? You know, I love it because revival is not just a cliche word we use in Christianity. Oh, Lord, send revival. I mean, if you say that pretty quietly, uh, I will be surprised if revival will come. Because really, revival is not just a, a feeling or emotion or an event or a conference. But revival is a lifestyle. Can I hear a great amen if you believe that tonight? Revival is a lifestyle. Revival is what's lived out. Revival is what's poured out. Revival is intimacy with God. Revival is when you encounter the Holy Spirit and you are forever changed. And it's not based on my feelings and my emotions and my quick fix of getting a word from the Lord to fix my emotions and have what we call Holy Ghost goosebumps. I don't even know what that is, but anyway. Uh, it's not one of those things. Revival is a lifestyle. Revival is something that is poured out upon the presence of God. That every day we need to be revivalists. We've been called and commissioned by the Holy Spirit to be a revival. Okay, I preach on this side of the building, you know. You know, we are called to be a revival. You're called to be a revival. High five your neighbor and say, you are a revival. And if you don't know what that means, if you're new to this whole church thing or visiting, don't worry. You'll get it in a couple of minutes. Revival is a powerful thing. And this series was birthed from Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2. When Pastor Paul uh, bought this at the start of the month, and he and the scripture he referred to was, "Oh Lord, I've heard the report about you, and I fear. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. And rough, earnestly remember compassion and love. How much do we need compassion in our lives? You know." And love, I know I need it every day. Lord, help me. Lord, have mercy on my compassion. Because <laughs> some days I don't have it. I'll be straight up and be transparent. Amen? Some days I don't have it. And, you know, and I need, as I rely myself to the Holy Spirit, to his kingdom agenda, I'm like, Lord, give me compassion for your people. I mean, all people. I know you guys are all holy, but I tell you what, man. Some days I'm like, I need compassion for all people. Amen? Yes. But revival is an incredible thing. If you've got a, want a title for tonight, I've called it the miracle in the valley. Because what I'm going to do with the short time I have, I'm going to share a little bit of my story with you. I can't share my whole story because we'll be here to midnight. Oh, we want to be here to midnight. Okay, fantastic. Um, but, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to share with you a little bit about my story because I'm probably the, I'm one of the new guys on the block here. And, uh, you know, you guys might not know my upbringing and all the rest of it because it's a revival story. We heard from Ross this morning about we, we all carry a revival story. 
And I love it how we hear from people from, from generations who have gone before us, who carried amazing revival stories. And even in our nation, yeah, come on. In our nation, we've had people go before us, even Seth's revival story. My gosh, you can't hang out with him for five minutes and not have encountered the Holy Spirit because he's got amazing revival stories, but not just past revival stories. I never hear Seth talk about what happened five years ago. I am talk about what happened two weeks ago or a month ago when he was over in Germany and what the Holy Spirit did and how he broke out in power and in miracles. I love Michael and Linda. Every time I'm with Michael having coffee, it's just amazing. The stories. We need to be around people who carry revival. Amen? Um, I was preaching at a local Baptist church one day, which was quite interesting. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I went in there. And I was like, Lord, I'm a little bit frustrated right now. I wasn't judging, but I was frustrated. I'm like, Lord, why can't these people just lift their hands? At least lift their hands. Lord, I'm just getting a little bit, I don't understand what's going on here. And the Lord said, if my glory fall in this room, would anyone recognize it? I want you to not focus about them. I want to get your attention. Isn't it funny when we're focusing about what's wrong in a service or what's not meeting my need or it's not feeling me, that song, oh my gosh, I don't like that song. I wish we just shout to the Lord. You know? Do you want me to sing shout to the Lord to you? No, you all cry to the Lord. That's right. It won't be pleasant. But you know what? We're just like, it's not meeting my need. Oh my gosh, that's sitting in my seat that I've been sitting in in the last two years. You know, we get this religious thing going on, you know, and literally it can damp a revival. And I was sitting there, but the Lord said, no, I want to get your attention, my son, before you get up and preach. I want to show you that I can go into messy environments and that is a move of revival, but I need you to understand what my glory is. And then he brought me to Exodus 33 when Moses went up to Mount Sinai. And we all know the story where, uh, you know, he saw the Lord face to face. The glory of the Lord. And, he, and it was an amazing, amazing account. If you've never read it, I encourage you to go and read it. It will literally transform your life like it did mine. And my eyes was opened up and said, you are called to be a revival. I want you to preach that. You know what, when you are just starting preaching, to preach without no notes is actually quite an effort. I should think preach without notes is always actually quite a big effort, you know. It's, it's, it's one of those things. But I tell you what, there were 30 people in that church, and all of them came down on the altar call, and all of them were, were slayed in the Holy Spirit. So I thought, my goodness, it doesn't feel like I'm in, the ba- in a Baptist church anymore. I feel like I'm in a Pentecostal revival. Why? Because God got my attention saying, I want you to align m- your thoughts to my thoughts about what revival is. And we are all called to carry that in our lives. Can I hear a great amen? Amen. amen. So here we go. I want to share with you just a passage of Scripture just as I get started. If you've got your Bibles with you this evening, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. 
Starting at verse 1, I'm going to paint a picture and then you're going you're gonna to get literally why I picked this, why the Lord gave me this scripture for tonight, okay? Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hand me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed, forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, but Sheol, thank you, Michael. You are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall uphold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, and even the darkness is not dark to you, the night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Now, who's read this before? Who's been changed by the scripture, like the Psalm of David? Okay, so I always find it quite difficult sharing this bit of my story because it's quite personal and it's quite emotional. So if I cry, I should ask for tissues. But if I cry, forgive me, because um, this is pretty moving for me, okay? See, if you're actually part of my story, by the way, you have no idea. You, I was at a meeting a few years ago, and you prayed over me, and, <laughs> and literally, you came up to me, and literally, I was having issues with my speech, and literally, I was set free from it the minute you laid hands on me. I want to thank you. You're actually part of my story tonight. So, um, When I was born, I was born with a brain disorder uh, called dyspraxia. I don't know if any of you have heard of that. Anyone in this room heard of that? Yeah, cool. A couple of people. Fantastic. Uh, so I won't bore you to tears about the medical side of that, but you can look it up if you like to. But, you know, I don't like looking up my diagnosis because it's just like doesn't really achieve anything but just like put the devil under his feet and literally, because that is what God has done, because um, look, I'm standing here today, so that's a testament in itself. Um, but yeah, I was born with a cord around my neck, um, and so pretty much I was in a sleep for six days, um, and so pretty much doctors uh, were trying to find what was wrong with me, and they couldn't wake me up. It was, a, it was quite a big deal that they pretty much are saying to my parents, like, your son's about to die. Um, and, you know, for any parent in this room, when you hear that about your own child, and particularly your firstborn, it's not the easiest thing to hear, right? Yeah. And so, so pretty much went through that journey, and um, praise the Lord. 
I responded eventually because I'm here now, um, which is good. But through that, obviously, I went through uh, 12 years of therapy work. So from the age of four right through up to the age of 14, um, I went through therapy treatment. And I got told that I probably would not, I would not have good body coordination for the rest of my life uh, because of my brain cells, how they were operating and it was affecting the right side of my body. So I couldn't play sports. I couldn't do... Um, any, all those things, like catch a ball, you know, do this with my hands. Like, I couldn't do anything like that. So, so it, was, it was a pretty big ideal for, for me for what I walked through. Um, with that, obviously, I was in a special needs unit. Um, so I went through primary school. Do you know, I loved primary school more than I loved high school, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I went through bullying all throughout my school years. I had no friends. I would get beaten up at school because I had uh, seizures quite a lot. I, uh, had I had a stutter problem. Um, I couldn't speak properly. I couldn't stand in crowds. Like getting me to stand in front of this amount of people would freak me out. Like I would have, a ner I would have nervous breakdowns. Like when I had to get in front of the school and give a speech, I actually couldn't do that, um, obviously. Um, but even getting up in front of class and, and, and building confidence in that space actually was a big deal uh, for me. Um, and so going through all of that was a huge valley. Um, so I was four when I first gave my life to Jesus. Uh, that was my first time. And you know, you might think, four, that's pretty young to give your life to Jesus, isn't it? What can you remember at four? Well, actually, God can use anyone in anything. So, hey, uh, look at Sebastian, look at him, how he goes around praying for people, you know, it's just amazing. But, you know, like for me, I just... You know, I had a, I asked mum a question, who created this guy and all the rest of it? And she said, God did. And, and I'm like, well, why am I like I am right now? You know, type thing. Um, and I just kept on, you know, going through. My parents were youth pastors. They were in ministry. They, you know, they're incredible. And I owe it to my mum because my mum literally taught me to therapy every single Tuesday at Picatu, oh, that, Kinapru, whatever you call it, that center there, um, and to Palmerston North every single week. She would drive me. She literally worked around her client. She owned a hair salon. She literally just poured into me, and she just, like, literally took me through all the exercises. I had to lie in front of the TV every night for 45 minutes for my back because my back had a uh, bad posture, obviously, and it was affecting all my uh, nerves and my muscle joints in there, um, and, like, literally had to do exercises and be on, go on the trampoline and all of those, all of those fun things. You know, I remember doing this stuff on the trampoline, had to learn all of that stuff. I had to do that as part of that for those 12 years. It was a, it was a journey. It was a ride. Thank the Lord I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> Imagine myself being 36 trying to do all of that stuff. That would be quite a mission, wouldn't it? I think about going to gyms hard enough. Let it go uh, jumping on a trampoline. <laughs> But I went, I, I went through all of that, and um, I went through body shakes. Um, I would shake constantly, like, like constantly shake my hands like this. Like you, I, there was a lot of fear in my life um, based on that, and obviously based on the bullying treatment, that actually caused a lot of that. When I was 11, I went through a mental breakdown. I was at Otaki College, probably was not the best decision. It, and it wasn't the best decision uh, for me. It was intermediate and high school. And um, at that time, it was one of the worst uh, high schools in New Zealand when it came to bullying and all the rest of it. 
there was a big target, they were getting special needs kids and, you know, um, form one and twos and just seven, eights, um, yeah, seven and eights and just really, t you know, attacking them. And I remember one day walking down the long driveway, so if you said OT College, but it's got quite a long driveway, and um, the group of guys just came up and attacked me and punched me to the ground. And through that, I went for a nervous breakdown and literally I would go home from school every day and I would literally be in a, in a sleep. I was going to go to sleep. I just said, I don't want to, uh, Mum, Dad, I don't want to talk to you guys. I just want to have time by myself with God. I want to try and find who really God is on the inside of me. I need to find out his love for me. I need to wrestle with God. I need to know who he really is. And it was like how I pictured it, it was like a, a black blanket over me, over my mind of depression that tried to come and just really, and I was like, God, just take my life. Just take my take my tears, take my pain, just take me, just take my life. You know, if you're really loving, why haven't you given me a fr friend? Why am I getting beaten up? Like, why am I going through this horrible valley in my life? You know, you say, God, you love me, but really, where is your love right now? I don't feel your love around me. And I said, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. I wasn't going to kill myself. That was how desperate I was. Suddenly, a peace came into my room that I never experienced. This peace of God. And I heard this voice saying, if you want to kill yourself, my son, they could have used any words. Any words could have come out. But he chose to say, my son. Then you are denying the person that I, Father, God, have created you to be. Let me just say it again just so that sinks in. If you want to kill yourself, my son, then you are denying the person that I, Father, God, have created you to be. Then he said, open up your Bible. So my Bible was beside my bed. Now, you remember, I can't really read. So reading is a, was a big thing for me. And that was something I wanted to overcome. So I'm like, okay. And I heard this voice, open it. I'm not lying when I'm saying the honest truth. Open it. So I open it. And here was this passage of scripture in Joshua. Chapter 1, verse 5, and it says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He thought that got good, it got better. I was like, Hallelujah, the something finally is getting better, you know. I will neither leave you, nor will I forsake you. So I will neither leave you, nor will I forsake you. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And right then, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you are not alone, my son. I love you. I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for your life. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, this is going to be an interesting plan then. Because right now I am, and at that stage, what I hadn't mentioned is I was four years academically behind in my um, age level. So I had an academic age level of an eight-year-old. At 11. So just picture that for a second. I'm going nowhere, guys. Like, I've got, there's no success for me. Like, 
honestly, you know? And every lie that the enemy tried to put on my life, the Lord healed me from. And then he brought me to that Psalm 139 passage, verse 13 and 14, for you form my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, O Lord, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I used to look at myself in the mirror and I said, I hate myself. That's quite a big word to use the word hate. But I didn't know what else to say. Because here I am as a 11-year-old boy with terrible acne, with dyspraxia, with getting beaten up at school, going through rejection, feeling de- going through depression, feel like i got no hope, no potential for my life. And the Holy Spirit says to me, he said, I love you, my son, and you're going to preach the gospel. I was like, sorry, I think you're meant to talk to another guy down the road, you know? Because <laughs> I was like, God, I don't even know how to do that. But he said, I will teach you and I will show you by being in my presence. And then he brought me to Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where we all know this famous scripture. For I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans of peace and not of evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I love the Amplified Version when it says, a hope in your final outcome. And I tell you what, I didn't know what my final outcome was going to be. But according to doctors and therapists, it was it was zero, negative zero, that I wasn't going to be able to achieve the call of God on my life. Well, one therapist said to my mum one day, mum said, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about if schooling's not for you. What do you actually want to do with your life? I said, mum, I want to be a preacher. I don't know what that looks like, but I just want to serve Jesus. I have no idea what that means. And sometimes you've got to be careful what you say. (laughs) Because God will get you and he'll test your obedience by that. All right, let's look at that. So I was part of a Christian, I was at Recurring Christian College for a couple of years and then I was moved up um, to two and a half years in my age level, which is another testimony in itself. And God has restored all my brain, what do you call it? Yeah, whatever you call it. Anyone medical will understand in this room what I mean. Um, And he's just healed my learning speech, obviously, because look at me today. And he's just been amazing. But when I was 14, I left school. And my pastor at the time said this, how would you like to volunteer three days a week in the church office? I'm like, oh, my gosh, that would be amazing. I'm going to preach now. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a minister. This is going to be awesome. This is my time to shine. Oh, me of my silly immaturity. <laughs> Don't run too soon in the miles, Brendan. You've got to do a little bit of, bit of serve. got to test your servanthood first. got to test your character a bit. Not you to start by vacuuming the auditorium. Okay, this is what we got you to do. Can you clean the church every Monday, every Wednesday, 
and every Friday. On Monday sounds good. Wednesday and Friday. Gosh, this whole serving Jesus in the church thing looks quite different, eh, to what I, what I imagined it to be, you know? Uh, do everyone that preached on stage clean Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Surely there must be a roster uh, here that uh, everyone gets to go. No, it was just me, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Now, the last time I preached, I told you I end up doing seven years of internships. And I tell you what, one year I thought was me, but God just kept wanting me to keep doing internships. I don't know what it is. Uh, don't get any ideas in this room. I am not doing an eighth, okay? Uh, but God tells me to do it. I'll definitely obey and do it, all right? Um, but God, but what the Lord did is he started healing me. And um, it was an amazing journey, absolutely incredible. And so I did four years, which is, uh, it was called the Meadows back then. And it's now called Connect with Pastor Adam and Anita White. And I served there and up to the age of 18, I think it was. Um, and then we went to Arise, and then I did another three-year internship, like just like to add on, just because God obviously wanted me to do more. But those were some of my most amazing growing years. In spite of what we've heard recently, you know, it grew me. It grew me to the point of where I'm at today. And I thank the Lord. And then he took me to Bible college. Now, this is awesome. I did a Bachelor's of Ministries degree. Don't ask me how that happened. I'm still trying to work it out in my head. God, I can't, every night, God, I cannot believe I graduated. I'm sure they, like, were blinded in one eye by reading my exam results, you know. Seriously. But God's favor. God's anointing. See, it's the anointing of God that breaks the yoke of bondage off your life. As the anointing that heals your medical condition. And maybe you are in this auditorium tonight and you have a, got a medical uh, condition. Can I encourage you tonight? Our God, He chooses the foolish things of this world to confound and shame the wise in Jesus' name. And just as He did a work in my life tonight, He wants to do a work in your life. And it goes on. The re revival story keeps continuing. Two years ago, I got given an opportunity to move to Palmerston North. Don't even ask me why I moved to Palmerston North. But, in, but oh, oh, sorry, I got my palmy friends. I forgot. <laughs> that <was> awesome. <laughs> no, Palmerston North was awesome. I was like, Lord, I, I don't know why I'm called to go to Palmerston North. I'm happy here. I was working for the Ministry of Social Development. I was looking at going into the national office in the city and some great opportunities there. And you see, that's another testimony itself. I was working with numbers. Hello. Oh, my goodness. And working with people's uh, benefits. That taught me a lot, too. That's definitely a revival story, Michael, and a half. Why are you so nice on the phone? Well, I love Jesus. Had some great opportunities. I led eight people to the Lord when I was there on my team. Eight people. I didn't want to leave. I'll go back. If God told me tomorrow to go back there, I'll go back there. I'd have no problem at doing that. Because I just, I'll go anywhere where the harvest is. Because do you know what? I've learned ministry as you don't know, I'm on staff here, but ministry should be held lightly in your hand. 
God can get rid of it tomorrow because it's not my gift. It's not mine to hold on to. It's the Holy Spirit's. And I've got a heart to see people to come to find Jesus. And we need more people out there in the marketplace than in here because that's where the lost is. Because we need to bring them in here. Man, if we all went out and tried to do that, we'd be exhausted. You are called into your marketplace to be a revival story. You are called to go into your place tomorrow. And don't be ashamed that you were in church yesterday or today. Don't be ashamed that, oh, what did you do this weekend? Oh, Saturday, I hanged out with my friends, went out for dinner. Oh, so what did you do on Sunday? Oh, I rested. And God's like saying, and what else did you do? Come on, be brave. Say you went to church. Tell them you encountered the Holy Spirit. Tell them your story. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of your salvation. Come on, there's lost people out there. See, that is your revival. i tell you what, I could tell many stories on this stuff. Anyway, moving on. Um, yeah, and so then I went to Palmerston North, and then I served in a church up there, was on staff, and running services, young adults. It was amazing what the Lord did. It grew from four to 91 in 10 months. It was incredible what the Lord did up there. The things God opened my eyes to. And then, all of a sudden, love is in the air. <laughs> Can you feel it anywhere? Here. <laughs> I met my lovely fiance, my wife-to-be in six, seven months. Seven months seems a little bit more safer than six months, you know, when you're planning a, your big day. And, God, and this is why I shared this is because I have always prayed for, a, for my wife. And one of the things that I've always said to the Lord is, God, I'm keeping this as my covenant between you and me, Holy Spirit, that I will save my wife. And I will put boundaries around that. And I will protect myself. My well, Lord, I need you to protect myself in that, particularly in the world that we live in today. And the Lord's blessed me with a godly woman who's very patient, because you need a lot of patience with me. <laughs> and now we're serving together. And now Emma's moved down here. And, and it's just amazing, the revival story. But imagine if I gave up on my life. Then last year, I said, Lord, a situation happened. And I said, Lord, I will not do church ministry ever again. And he said, will you now? Are you now leading your life? I'm like, yeah, God, I'm just leading my life for a few months. I'll just sort this whole thing out. And the Lord said, you can run away from your gift, but you can't run away from your calling. I said to Emma on New Year's Day, I was exhausted, and I just said to Emma, I said, let's go down to Hope Center. There was no, you know, we were running a service, and I was like, I just need to be fed. And Emma, I want to take you down to Hope Center for you to experience this move of the Holy Spirit. I said, trust me, it will be a lot different to what you've seen before. Anyway, we're, the service was amazing, and New Year's Day, and Pastor Paul and Jody came up. Oh, Brent, 
that is so good to see you and as awesome they are. And, and literally, he was like, so what are you doing with your life at the moment? And I'm like, oh, you know, just, you know, working and, you know, oh, how's your role, ministry role going? Oh, nah, just pull back a little bit from that. And goes, you know what? If the Lord calls you back to Wellington, there will always be something here for you. I said, oh, that's nice. Lord, no, no, don't you dare get any cheeky ideas, Holy Spirit. I'm not listening to this. Emma goes and Kash goes, hun, you need to respond to this. I said, if I'm responding to this, then you're coming too. Went very quiet in the car all the way back up to Palmerston North. But the minute that Pastor Paul said it, something just stirred in me. And I was like, Emma, I think I'm going back to Wellington. I've, I've got to... I've I got to pray on it. And then the Lord said, what are you praying on something I've called you into? Sometimes we get so spiritual. Oh, I've just got to seek the Lord if I'm meant to serve in church. Oh, I've just got to seek the Lord. I've got to fast and ask the Lord. It's just the will of the Lord to join the greetings team. To join. I'm like, really, God, I need a word like to just like welcome people into church. Sometimes we just super, get rid of that religious spirit. Come on, no. With some things we've just got to say yes to so God can then release us into our calling. That cleaning went for four years, people. And I've got some good news for you. I still vacuum. And I've got some good news for you. I still set out chairs. And I've got some good news for you. I still move tables. And I set tables up in the week so people can have lunch in and receive community. And not for the ones that are just in here. But I think about when I'm setting out those tables and chairs and I'm praying. And I'm like, Lord, the lost that will come in. The prodigal that's run away that needs, needs rescuing. They need community. They need love. I'm prophesying. I'm speaking. Let's not be people that sometimes just go, oh, I just need to pray about it. Some things we do. But there's a lot of things that God says, like, would you just step out and trust me in this? And allow me to do it. That's what God spoke to me. He said, just step out. So, that was, that's why I called it the miracle in the valley. Because it was a valley. And I love, I love, you know, how the Lord always speaks through a scripture to us. In Romans 8 verse 28, it says, All things work together for good. Not some things. And I'm talking about the valleys. I've talked more about the, the, my valleys than my mountaintops. Because people can look at someone like myself and, and say, oh, man, that guy, he, he's always jumping up and down and praising Jesus. And, you know, he's always sharing the gospel with people and stuff like that. But I had to go through the valley so that my confidence and so that my boldness and so that my security in Christ could come alive. That was a journey of identity. And man, we've got an identity crisis today. People trying to figure out who they are. Come on. Who am I? What's my value? 
me and Emma were in town recently having dinner and we walked past and I said to Emma, is that a guy or a girl? And my heart just went, devil, get your hands off this generation. Your identity is not based on how good you look. Your identity is based in the presence of God. And I'm so grateful that dyspraxia no longer has a hold on my life. And the minute, come on. And I say to the Lord now, I say, God, you define my life. I've got a couple of things here. Sorry, my notes are going all over the place. But that's okay. 2 Chronicles 20 verse 17 says this. You need not to fight in this battle. Take your positions. Stand and witness the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you? O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you. See, the Lord spoke to me and said, I am taking your disability to perform my ability. The Lord is with you. Stand strong and see the salvation of the Lord. You might say, well, you're very loud tonight, Brendan. No, I am bold. I'm always like this. I am bold like a lion because I am not going to let the devil steal a generation in our city, in our nation, ever again. There is going to be a generation of youth and young adults coming to this house. And I tell you what, it's like what Michael said, it's a new tide that is rising up. And I tell you what, we won't be able to keep up with all the young people that are going to come into this place. And let me just be real, they may be young people that we would be surprised by. Because revival is messy. Revival messes with our human brains, but it should mess with our human brains because God wants to break those thoughts in our minds of what we thought is a move of God and He's about to turn the tide of the battle so you can be a revival story in your generation, in your world. Here's a couple of things how you can release your revival story. You can release your revival story by taking a step of faith because the Christian journey is not a destination, it's an adventure. When you go on an adventure, you don't know where you're going. If you're a parent here and you say to your kids, hey, let's go on an adventure, they're like, oh. Mum, Dad, where are we going? I know it's something that we used to say. Where are we going? We're not telling you. It's going to be an adventure. Wow. You don't know where that could end up. We know roughly how many hours it would take to drive from here to Auckland. But if we didn't tell anyone where we're going, it's going to be an adventure. And that's what our Christian life is like. God's like, oh, I want to take you on an adventure. And we're like, oh, God, where are you taking me? 
I'm not going to tell you, but I want you to step out in faith and do this. I want you to write a book. I want you to start a connect group. I want you to go and witness to someone. I want you to bake a neighbor a cake. I want you to do something bold. And then what, God? Keep baking them a cake. God, what the heck are you up to? Man, stop teasing me, God, you know? But God is saying, no, I want you to trust me with this. Because what I put on the inside of you, when you're obedient in the small, you watch the big things and God's going to multiply it and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it. And then suddenly you are like, God, you're using me. I never thought. So you need to take a step of faith. I love like Beth and Ian, they're taking a step of faith and they're going to Samoa. They don't know what that looks like. They're just obeying the Holy Spirit. And they say, let's go to Samoa. Let's obey God. I love that. I love that faith. We're all called to carry that faith in us. We're not meant to limit God from what he's put on the inside of us. I remember at my first year at Bible school, at Leilo College, it was Bible College of New Zealand back then, shows you how old I am. And this Indian guy came up to me in one of our lectures, church history. I love church history. And uh, he came up, he goes, do you want to come and preach? And I'm like, oh, at your church? And he's like, no. Do you want to come and preach at the Porora Markets? And I laughed. And I said, come again. He goes, yeah, come and preach. I mean, you know the last thing, I, every time I walk down the street and I see someone like preaching, street preaching, I, that thing would just freak me. I'll be like, man, God, there is no way I am preaching. Well, for six Saturdays. The Lord would wake me up. We were living on the Kapiti Coast. And the Lord would wake me up and he said, you need to go. And I said, no, I'm not going. It's raining. It's winter. It's cold. Next Saturday, he would wake me up at five o'clock. You need to catch that train and you need to go. This happened for six weeks. It got to the sixth Saturday. And the Lord said, now, listen to me. If you don't go now, you're going to miss out on a miracle. I was like, oh, okay, I think it is the Holy Spirit speaking to me. I better not delay my obedience now because that's called disobedience. I think God didn't like that, so I thought I'd better disobey him and be a good son. So I thought, okay. So I went on the train down to Pararua. This guy said to me that Wednesday, if you come, you don't need to do anything. You just come and watch. I was like, oh, I like that idea. So I get there, he comes up to me, goes, Brendan, you make it. Here's the microphone. <laughs> you told me that I can just come and watch the first time. And you, now you're giving me the microphone. And the Lord said, preach my word. I said, what word? I've got nothing. He goes, yes, you have. You've got my Holy Spirit power in you. So open your mouth and I will fill it. So I remember opening up my mouth. And he filled it. All these scriptures were coming out of my mouth. It was crazy. Anyway, this lady came up to me, a Samoan lady, and I'll never forget it. 
And she said to me, she goes, I just heard you speak about Jesus and I've been trying to find Jesus my whole life. But you said that a, that a, that a physical healing can't save you. Only salvation, what is the greatest miracle? And I'm like, oh, did I say that? Because I, I, was, I was so shaken. I was like, what the heck have I just done? I thought the one thing that I'll never do, I end up doing. Anyway, this lady, the tears in your eyes, she said, I've got cancer. It's all throughout my body. The doctors have only, on Thursday, they only gave me two weeks to live. Tears in her eyes. And I said, oh, would you like Jesus? She goes, I need Jesus. She got on her knees in the footpath, and there's all these people walking past. It was back in the day when, it, when McDonald's was just there, if you from there remember that. Yeah, okay, great. Um, you might have remembered me, who knows. Um, but then literally what happened was this woman gave her life to Jesus. Then I felt this tap on my shoulder, and I turned around, and no one was there. I turned the other way, and then no one was there. And I heard a, a, a shoulder tap again. I thought, what the heck is going on here? And the Holy Spirit tapped me. And then I saw two angels around me. I've never seen such a thing in my life, particularly outside in a market. Like, I was not expecting that radical encounter. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you didn't ob obey me to come to preach the gospel, my son, this woman would not be in my kingdom today. Two weeks later, she went home to be with Jesus. The miracle in the valley. And I tell you what, I, God gave me this boldness to preach like never before, to win the lost for his kingdom. Michael knows some of my stories too. I've seen people saved in buses and trains and all the rest of it, you know. I'm actually writing a book on it at the moment because I believe a generation needs to be bold and fearless for evangelism like we've never seen it before in Jesus' name. That's my story. That's my revival story. But what's your revival story? Now, come on. Jesus is so good. What is your revival story tonight? What have you got on the inside of you? Two weeks ago, I was praying about what I should share. And I heard the Lord say very clearly in my heart that the church has got too quiet about their testimony. Over COVID, there'll be online things and people would do these 30-second videos of the testimonies. And I'm like, why have people stopped? You know, we can reach the world just like that in a second. Just in a second. We've stopped sharing our stories. We've stopped declaring what Jesus actually has for a generation. And I wonder tonight, what is it in you that you have become silent on the, the Holy Spirit is saying tonight, it's time for you to pick up your revival. Don't compare it to someone else because you'll never walk in it. What has God called you to do? See, what God's called me to do is completely different to what God's called you to do because we've all got different spiritual gifts. He hasn't called us all the same. And that's what's so amazing about the body of Christ is that we're all different. But with that comes this amazing ability to shine. And I was wondering if the keyboardists can come or the worship team. And 
And maybe tonight you are in this place. And firstly, what I want to do is I believe that God has put an evangelist heart on the inside of me. And I love leading people to Jesus. And maybe you're in this auditorium tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ. You've walked into this auditorium tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or you've walked away from your faith. You got invited by a friend tonight and, and come to church. Come and check this whole church thing out. Well, I want to tell you tonight, Jesus is alive. And what he wants to do and what he's done in my life, he wants to do in your life and his way. And if you open your heart to Jesus tonight, you can be radically set free under the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Brendan, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't know what you've done. But I know what Jesus has done and on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And I love what John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not come into this world to condemn it, but to save it. For God did not come into your world to condemn you. He came into your world to save you. It's already been won for at the cross. And all you have to do tonight is to say yes. I'll come to Jesus when I feel ready. You'll never come to Jesus. There never will be a ready when I feel ready. Because we've all got mess in our lives that only Jesus can heal. You don't think Jesus can deliver us from. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, if you say, Brendan, you're speaking to me. I know I'm, I'm lost without Jesus. I need him into my, in my life. I need a relationship with him. No one looking around. I just want you to lift your hand in this place and say, Brendan, can you pray for me? Just before we continue right now, anyone be bold tonight. Don't worry about the person beside you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. See that hand, anyone else tonight? Thank you, Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. This is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. You don't know what could happen to you. Can you walk out of this place saying, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour? Would you walk, can you walk out of this place boldly saying, He is the Lord of my life, that I can walk daily in His presence? I'm not asking you tonight, do you carry religion? I'm asking you, do you walk in a relationship with Him? Awesome. Well, I just want us to pray this prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I give you my life tonight. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Tonight, I turn from the world's ways and I turn to you. Tonight, I confess I am born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and amen. There was uh, one person who gave, put their hands up. So can we just give it up for, for an amazing person? And uh, I just think that's just absolutely incredible. Jesus went from the 91 and then pointed to the one. That's what he did. Church, I just want us to stand right now. What we're going to do is, um, with the time that we've got, I, I just really want us to move the seats away. And I really believe right now that the Holy Spirit is going to pour out. And we need, lead, we, need, we need our team tonight. We need every leader tonight to be ready to pray, to catch for people under the power of the Holy Spirit. Because there's going to be a fire of revival that God is going to release in you tonight. Fresh oil, I just heard the Lord say, coming into his people. Fresh oil. Fresh oil for your Monday. Fresh oil for your Tuesday. Fresh oil for your Wednesday, for your Thursday, for your Friday. Fresh oil to be bold and to roar like a lion, like never before in Jesus' name. So when we lift our hands right across this place tonight, church, Holy Spirit, we call on your name. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to come and release holy fire. If you speak in a heavenly language right now, lift your voice. Oh, Jesus. Every young person, I want you to come up the front here. Every teenager, every young adult. The Holy Spirit right now is about to release upon you as a rising generation in this city, in your schools, in your universities, in your workplaces, a move of revival that you've never seen before where He's going to fill your tongues with fire. Like on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, where there were 120 and the Holy Spirit came. And the Lord said, I'm about to fill you with anointing. Aiden, there's an anointing for high schools. There's anointing to reach a generation. There's anointing on the prophetic on your life. And the Lord says to you tonight, my son, I have put a faith in your spirit and I have set you apart for such a time as this. He is going to give you boldness and we release boldness over you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, there it is. Fire on you. Fire on you. 
In the name of Jesus, there it is. The breath of the Holy Spirit. 